Hello and welcome back for episode 40 of the Newbie Dentist Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Omid Azami. I've been busy recording a lot of amazing interviews with a lot of great dentists from around the world, and I'm very excited to share it with you guys, the listeners, over the coming weeks. In this week's episode, I had a great chat with Dr. Daniel Miller out of Charlotte, North Carolina. Dan graduated from Sunny at Buffalo School of Dentistry in 2015 and went on to complete an AEGD prior to working as an associate dentist. In March 2019, Dan bought a dental practice in Charlotte, and he has been kind enough to come on the podcast today to chat about his journey through dental school, residency, as well as what it's been like to transition into practice ownership from being an associate. We also talk about dental photography, as it is an area of common interest for both of us, and also how he's incorporating photography into his day-to-day practice. Dan has been a great friend and mentor for me over the past couple of years since I started the Newbie Dentist podcast, and it is interviews like this uh, with good young dentists advancing in their respective careers that really makes the podcast special and different to the other dental podcasts out there. I hope you guys enjoy this interview as much as I did. If you're new to the podcast, be sure to check out all previous episodes. And if you're a longtime listener, I'd like to thank you for continuing to support me and the podcast, and please be sure to share this interview and others with your friends, classmates, and colleagues. Without further ado, enjoy the interview. Hello, and welcome to the Newbie Dentist Podcast, the safe place for newbie dentists to connect, collaborate, learn, and grow. The Newbie Dentist Podcast aims to provide high-quality and high-value content for all the newbie dentists out there. With your host, Dr. Omerizami. I'm here with uh, Dr. Daniel Miller, Miller of the United States. I've been uh, chatting with him on Instagram for a long time, and uh, he's been, you know, a, you know, a good mentor in terms of photography and, and different clinical standpoints and things like that. That uh, he always uh, chimes in with some uh, useful tips for me. We've been chatting, I think, in the build-up a little bit, and uh, when he was sort of looking at buying a practice, and I wanted to kind of get him on now that I think is a practice owner and and. Look, thankfully, he's uh, given up some of his time to uh, sit down with us and have a chat about the journey of, you know, what the process is like really to, you know, seeking out a practice and then kind of getting into that, that position and see how things are going for you. So thanks for coming on, Dan. Oh, yeah, I'm happy to be here. Thanks for having me on. So tell me a little bit uh, what we, how we uh, normally start these things off is with a bit of an origin story. So tell me a little bit about uh, your journey coming up and uh, going through dental school and uh, we'll take things from there. All right. Well, uh, see, so yeah, I'm from uh, Virginia originally, a little town called Manassas outside of Washington, D.C. You know, I had thought at one point I wanted to be a dentist in high school, wasn't really kind of that sure on it. Went to college at West Virginia University, and I actually started off as a forestry resources management major. And so nowhere near dentistry (laughs) in that, and I kind of got thinking, all right, I have to pay this loan I'm taking out back one day, and I saw how much I would be making as like a four trainer. It's like, I don't think I'll be able to pay off my student loans like that. And so uh, I was always good at math and science and kind of lended me towards, uh, towards dentistry. So bounce around going to medical school, going to pharmacy school, have a uncle who's a physician. And this is right around 2008 when Obama was elected and he was telling me not to go into medicine because you didn't really know what the future was going to hold with that. And, my aunt looked at me and she was like, you're never going to like being a pharmacist and kept kind of building and find something else to do. So my, uh, I actually had a dental appointment and my dentist who I had for like 20 years at this point, 
uh, was like, have you ever thought about dentistry? And I was like, yeah, you know, I tossed it around a little bit. And it was like the one feeling I ever had to have in my life, like happened to be at that time. So yeah. just kind of like, he was like, why don't you stay around here, see what I do. And I was like, you know what? I could see myself doing that. So that's very cool. uh, didn't realize what it was going to take to get into dental school. Uh, I had pretty good grades. I thought I was a competitive applicant, thought, uh, you know, I should be a shoe in because my grades were higher than the averages and my test score was higher than then I, I did not respect the application process <laughs> and it took me three times to get in. So yeah. but I was an assistant throughout those three years trying to get into dental school. And, uh, it, I think that really helped me clinically when I got to dental school. Yeah, for sure. Uh, but uh, it definitely uh, was, was a little humbling experience trying to get in, but it was something I knew I really liked just by working in the field. And uh, it, I'm, I'm so happy that I, you know, kept pursuing it after you know two years of rejection letters and finally getting in that that third year. And so I got into Buffalo on December first. I got a call from. Dr. Brown, uh, who calls all about the people that he lets in. And yeah. so as soon as I got that call, like maybe, you know, two or three hours later, I decided to withdraw all my other applications. Like, you know, like yeah. after three years, I just want to know where I'm going. <laughs> yeah. Process. And I was on my way to Buffalo. Yeah. So. And that's a, that's a pretty good program over there in Buffalo. It's a pretty, uh, it's a pretty like well ranked down school. Is that right? Yeah, I think I think I got a very good clinical experience. Um, you know, probably a light on uh, actual procedures, but our preclinic was very good. Our uh, you know faculty were great, but you know, I think we only did like ten crowns or something that we had to do to graduate. And look back, it's just like, gosh, that's not anything. <laughs> that's, that's a lot more than most people do. So it's, uh, it's pretty bad. Some of the numbers you hear, like people graduating with like one or two crowns, or maybe one or two like molar endos, things like that. So I think ten's not bad. Yeah, but I actually wasn't even going to end up doing a residency. I didn't. I uh, you know I had the, from being assistant for so long. I met a bunch of dentists and. Uh, one of the dentists I used to work for ha- wanted me to come work for him after I got out of uh, dental school. And so that was kind of my plan. That was my track throughout dental school. And I hadn't really, uh, you know, I hadn't thought about like doing a, a, a GBR or AGD or yeah. special. You know what? I just want to get out, be a dentist and, and, you know, start, you know, making some money and paying back these loans and, yeah. and, and enjoying life. And being in New York, being at Buffalo, everybody in our class, you had to do a residency to get a New York license. Yeah. So everybody was doing it. And so last minute I got, you know, fear of missing out and <laughs> like, all right, I'm going to apply for a residency. And it was the best thing I could have done for myself. I actually got into the AGD program at Buffalo and yeah. uh, it just really, uh, anyone who's kind of thinking on the fence about doing a residency, I, I say, look, I wasn't going to do one. And it was the best thing I could have done for myself. Yeah. So tell me a little bit about the, the decision process. Cause I know like, for example, in Canada, we don't really have AGDs as such. It's more just GPR sort of more hospital based type programs. So what's like the big distinction between the two different types of programs and sort of what clinical exposure and things you get? Well, it really depends on the program. Uh, I think some GPRs are yeah, hospital based and you spend a lot more time doing uh, rotations with uh, like medical residents and getting more experience in overall medicine and AGDs kind of tend towards being more clinical 
you know, private practice style dentistry where you're just kind yeah. of focused on, on the, the clinical aspect of dentistry. I applied to both. Uh, and so it was kind of like, you know, whichever program I got into or I, I ranked, uh, I was like, you know, well, well, you know, I, I really wanted the clinical dentistry experience more than anything. So I, I did rank the AEGDs higher on that yeah. end, but, but, uh, yeah, it, it really depends program to program. I feel like there are some AGDs that you get a ton of medical uh, experience from your, that are have some affiliation with a hospital. Yeah. And there are tons of GPRs that you do that you're doing a bunch of really good clinical dentistry the whole time as well with some uh, hospital rotation. So it's all different program to program. And what's in terms of the uh, the AGD that you did? What's like the main sort of clinical stuff that you kind of got out of that? Did you do much work with like implants and things or? Yeah. So I did. Uh, I got to place over 40 implants. Wow. Nice. Uh, I did. Uh, over 100 units of crown and bridge and um you know a ton of perio surgeries so it was a very it was a, uh, you know well-rounded program i got all, uh, a lot of everything uh one of our uh attendings at the re- at our residency uh, also teaches one of the aid maxi courses uh oh, in cool. toronto oh yeah so, nice. uh, so uh rod stewart he he, he does uh, a, a really he was a great mentor to me for the implant side. Mm-hmm. And uh, so that's kind of what got me into doing doing a lot of surgery yeah. was uh, having, having that kind of uh, exposure to it. So cool. uh, really, it's just good overall experience. Yeah, I think because I think a lot of people look at it like more economically and they're like, well, if I take a, that salary hit for the year and to do a residency. But I think if you actually look at it more long term, like the clinical stuff that you learn, if you're going to do that, like through like uh, CE courses and things like that, it probably works out to your advantage just to take the year of like maybe a little bit less salary up front to learn those skills. And then once you kind of finish your residency, then you're off to the races and placing implants, you're, you're more comfortable with the crown and bridge. So it's probably like a really smart thing to do in the long term for your career. Oh yeah, I mean, if you think about it, I mean, I I was never, I had never really made much money up until that point in my years uh, in my career. So salary I got as a resident was the most money I'd ever seen. I was doing all right. <laughs> like, I was like, ah, oh, this is great. <laughs> Didn't have any expenses or anything because you were able to defer the student loans, everything, payments, yeah. and all. But yeah, then you definitely, after being out in private practice, yeah, you definitely made a lot less money. But yeah. the experience, I mean, you would spend, oh, probably $20,000 to get the, the implant training that, that I was able to get during the course of that year. So that adds up a lot. Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, I'm paying for a lot of CE right now. It's something I, I truly believe is, you know, what you got to do to be competitive, especially with like all the people that you, you see out there on, on Instagram, all these like great dentists that are out there and you're like, oh, I want to be like them and, and do the kind of stuff that they're doing. So you got to invest taking like the spear or the coys or, uh, you know, implant training or, or whatever cosmetic training you want to, you want to get. And, uh, so I'm, I'm going down that path and just heavily investing in the CE, even though I did the residency. So yeah. it's just something that'll never really change. I think you just got to keep investing in your education and that's you know, awesome. back to you. Yeah. And I think that's the best way. I think you're doing things the right way. And that's why I was excited to talk to you and kind of see what you've been up to since graduating. Because a lot of people graduate and they kind of just fall into like the, the comfort level and they just do the same old stuff that you kind of learn in dental school. And they're not really pushing the boundaries and, and expanding their like clinical skills. And just one for professional satisfaction, really, of just, you know, 
growing, but also obviously there's some financial benefits too if you're producing more, doing more high-end sort of complex procedures, which is quite nice. So how long did you uh, work for as an associate before uh, uh, jumping into practice ownership? So I was at, uh, after I got done my residency, I started working down in Charlotte, North Carolina uh, at a practice. I was there for two and a half years and it was a really good you know, starting point. I, mm-hmm. I, you know, it was a, in a wealthy area and I got to do uh, a lot of different dentistry. I got to do a lot of implants, a lot of crowns and, you know, patients didn't really, you know, balk it when you, you told them you need a crown. When I was in Buffalo in dental school, <laughs> you tell somebody they needed a uh, $400 crown and they like their jaw dropped and yeah. it's like, I don't even know what it is in private practice. Yeah. But um, yeah, it was a really good starting point. Um, but I just kind of got to the point where, I was working for somebody that I could do everything he could do, but he couldn't do a lot of the stuff that I could do in dentistry. And it was just like time for me to, to, to be my own boss and my, yeah. not have him you know, off in Fiji with his wife for a week while I'm sitting there, you know, making money for, for him while he's gone. And I was like, yeah. you know, I should be in that position. How do I get into that position? So I looked into startup and that seemed very daunting, especially if you don't have any business training, which we don't in, in dental school. So I was yeah. like reading books. Uh, you know, I read, you know, the, the Howard Fran, you know, uh, the books on like on complicated business yeah, and, yeah. Uh, and some other ones about uh, like, you know, running a dental practice for dummies or something. Those lines. <laughs> like, yeah. all right, I kind of get a gist of it after, you know, being in a private practice for a while, yeah. but I still have an exposure to like, staffing and HR and much marketing and stuff. So that's kind of how I found myself like getting onto Instagram was like, I'm not big on social media stuff, but I knew that, you know, you got to market and this day you got to put yourself out there. And I always liked photography and taking pictures. So I was like, I think I can transfer that into like taking pictures of some cases. So I started putting up, you know, some, you know, extraction photos or some like implant stuff I was doing and uh, just have some fun with it. But, you know, it just, uh, by, let's see, I think it was October of last year. I was like really about to uh, just, you know, I was looking for existing practice at that point because the startup just seemed too daunting of, of a task to, to, to handle. So I was just looking for the right opportunity to, to, to get a hold of. And in December, uh, I found a practice where there was a doctor that he had just renovated his office the past summer and added five treatment rooms. And uh, after he gets done that renovation, his wife takes the kids and moves it to their beach house in Florida and says, you need to sell the practice and move down here with me. Yeah. Uh, so I kind of like, this was like a golden opportunity. That's pretty sweet. <laughs> and so he stayed there for like a week. I start. I took over March 1st. Yeah. I uh, stayed there for a week and I just got to, you know, inherit all of his patients and the, the patients have, you know, you know, been, been just fine with it. We didn't send out a letter or anything saying that there's a new, now, some of them have come in a little bit surprised to see my face, uh, yeah. for sure, but it's kind of try and win them over. And yeah. uh, I've, I've been trying to do a pretty good job of that. There's been, there was like one or two cases where a patient just like sat in a chair and was told they're seeing somebody else and just got ticked off and got up and left. And was like, yeah, well, that's going to happen. happen. Yeah. <laughs> uh, oh, well. But, but you know, it's, it's definitely different. I think about work a heck of a lot more. Yeah. And 
I did as an associate. I was used to, you know, showing up. You know, we started seeing patients at eight. I'd usually show up to work about eight oh five, eight ten when the started. <laughs> yeah. And then, you know, as soon as, as, soon as the, I, you know, the hygiene was done, I was rolling out there right at five o'clock, and, yeah. and, and never, not thinking about it until the next day I got back. And now it's staying late and constantly like waking up in the middle of the night thinking about oh, like this marketing idea or uh, how can we handle like the staffing issue that we're having or it, it's always it's always on your mind now that's pretty but, cool and how, so how long has it been now how long have you been in this practice since march 1st so now oh, wow. okay like <laughs> weeks eight weeks <laughs> <It's real fresh. laughs> how much have you aged in the last couple months i think i've got a few more grades yeah. but now it's been uh, it's been it's been fun. It's been uh, it's it's much more stressful. I, I got in there and the the, the guy just didn't have uh, the a lot of the equipment that I was used to using or the, the composites or anything I uh, like using. So it was just you know, having to get my endo system in there, get uh, start you know use up the supply of uh, composites that he had, and now start moving over to the stuff that I'm, I'm I like using and. Yeah. I used an ISO drive for uh, for like the, since dental school. I've always used an ISO drive. So yeah. like going that or having a rubber damped and not having anything and using yeah. cotton. Right, so yeah. yeah. like I don't <laughs> practice like this. Yeah, it's crazy. So, huh? <laughs> and, uh, and, uh, you're doing a lot more rubber dams. Yeah, uh, I mean, I it's bad now because you know I used to hear my mentor always tells me like once you start doing it, you can't go without it because. It, it's I I just really dislike doing dentistry without it now. It's so annoying. You ever track the tongue and the cheek, and it's just like uh-huh. when you put the dam on, you just like doing what you're doing. You focus on that, and you don't have to worry about anything else, which is quite nice. So I, I'm all about it now. Yeah, I um, I'm trying. My my fiance is actually a dentist as well, and like she like is in a practice where they have an ISO dry, and she doesn't yeah. use them. So you need to yeah. start using that thing. <laughs> she's, she's yeah, ISO are, and because it has a light on there as well, I think, right? So it's pretty, uh, it's pretty handy. You can have the, have the light on there. Uh, yeah. I, I got the one without the light because I got a loop light. And, yeah. You know, don't really need to spend the extra money on it if you don't have to, right? Yeah. But that's pretty uh, cool. And so, so what's it? So what was the the like? What parameters and things were you looking at when you're kind of evaluating some practices to see what's actually a good opportunity or not? So first thing I was evaluating was, you know, collections. How much are they uh, collecting from the previous year? And if they, you know, have shown growth or if they've gone down in, in value, I, you know, I wanted to see, you know, uh, their, I, whenever I went and looked at a practice, I went and looked at their actual schedule and went back a couple of months and looked at the schedule and see, like, where is this guy's income coming from? Like, yeah. how many new patients are, are coming in? trying to see what kind of procedures that uh, he was doing, uh, the demographics of the area, how, uh, how many dentists are, are practicing around. Do you want to go into a building uh, that, that already has a couple of dentists in it or, uh, or do you want to go and not have another dentist around you for a couple of miles? That's always, uh, a benefit. You know, your new patients per month are, are huge. Uh, you, know, you don't want to go to a, a place that hasn't had a new patient in a couple of months. And the, the guy's just been kind of doing his own thing. You want, you need growth and that's where yeah. all your productive going to be or from those new patients mm-hmm. uh your existing patients really what are you going to have like a crown every now and then kind yeah. of thing it should be already pretty well established and taken care of uh the it's all you know have somebody come in that hasn't been to the dentist in 10 
10 years and what do they need? They need some scaling and replanting. They may need some extractions uh, or partial or if you're lucky, they need, they can't afford to have a couple of implants and, yeah. and that kind of stuff. So uh, just kind of seeing seeing what you can, can get out of an area uh, of where the practice is. Yeah. And how has it been with the staff? Has the transition been pretty smooth or are you kind of trying to get your own staff in there as well? It was, it seemed smooth at first, like that first week, uh, like the, the next day. So I took over on a Friday. Yeah. He didn't let the staff know anything about me coming in. Mm-hmm. And so I show up on Friday and he's like, Hey, this is the new guy I've sold the practice. Yeah. <laughs> I was like trying to go to bed Sunday night and I was like, God, I hope somebody's there. I hope it's not just me. <laughs> yeah. So um, luckily I was able to take my assistant with me from my previous okay, office. Nice. Yeah. So that, that's kind of uh, been, a, been a lifesaver for me. She's uh, just having somebody that knows how you like things done. And, and uh, just that, that was very, very helpful. Unfortunately, he had hired uh, an assistant, uh, knowing that he was selling a practice, he had hired an assistant like three weeks prior to me coming in. Mm-hmm. So there was three assistants and she kind of was the, the low person on the totem pole in that situation. And she yeah. didn't really have, like she, uh, was, I don't know if you're familiar with like DA1s and DA2s yeah. and yeah. their, their uh, capabilities. So, so she, she didn't have much experience, uh, and I, was, I unfortunately didn't have the schedule but to hold a third assistant. So uh, it would have been nice if we could have used her in hygiene or something. But, you know, we, they, he had a one hygienist office, and I immediately brought in a second hygienist. So, you know, we're just trying to book that one schedule up, and we just didn't have the, the flow for, for that third assistant. So we ended up having to let her go uh, during that first week. But... Uh, then right after, probably two weeks after that, I, I let her go. The assistant that was already there uh, found out she was pregnant and was having a lot of like issues with with her pregnancy. She didn't want to be around all the extra stuff. And then gave me her like two week notice like, yeah. <laughs> after I let the other one go. So it was just like, <laughs> well, I had known that I just kind of kept yeah. that on. But uh, <laughs> you know, you yeah. never you know what's going to happen. The joys uh, of uh, practice ownership. <laughs> yep. So yeah, you know, you just, you just kind of roll with it. Uh, I'm I'm only with one assistant right now, but since you know we're still trying to build up the hygiene for the other hygienist, the other hygienist that I hired had been a dental assistant for like eight okay. years before she went to hygiene yeah. school. So I was kind of having basically the most expensive assistant you can ever yeah. have. <laughs> but it worked out, you know. And you just kind of you just kind of roll with it, and uh, and you know, eventually we'll, we'll um, I'm in, in looking for another assistant i had you know two or three that were supposed to come in and interview and then just like never showed up i was like how do you like apply for a job and and then like schedule (laughs) that doesn't look good yeah um but i did bring in an office manager because he kind of was doing everything himself and micromanaging everything i don't want to do that i want to concentrate on dentistry and providing the best dentistry i can i don't even like talking finances with patients i I say my go-to line is hey i know a lot about teeth i got i have a front desk that knows a lot about your insurance and and the the financial aspect of it i'll tell you what we can do with your teeth they're gonna take care of and maximize your insurance benefits for you up there that's nice come up with from there so uh, it, it's nice having an office manager with a lot of experience and uh, kind of goes to show how small the dental world is. She's actually from Buffalo and worked in an office up there that 
the girl that sat next to me in all of dental school. Yeah. Uh, uh, <laughs> so like, yeah. All right. Was it somebody, you know, uh, she gave her uh, an approval and was like, all right, I'll, I'll take her. Yeah. Sounds great. And so she's been really good. She's been there a little over a week now. So she's okay. Perfect. So you've made some uh, pretty big changes bringing on the practice manager, extra hygienist. What's the, uh, how many, so there's five rooms, like f- five uh, operatories or five operatories right now. And so he did an addition on the building. So there's five brand new operatories and then the whole front of the building was where he had three operatories previously. Yeah. So they're not outfitted and it kind of needs to be renovated. And that's kind of in the the first year plan. I want to, I want to get practice to have a lot of revenue. And then I want to be able to uh, renovate the whole front end and add a surgical suite and two hygiene operatories. So, um, you know, I, I have a lot of equipment with, you know, implants and I do IV sedation as well. Yeah. And so it's just a lot of stuff to have to try and move room to room to room. And, and you need, uh, if you're going to do bigger procedures, like all on fours and, you know, uh, uh, you just, you just need a, a surgical suite to get that stuff done efficiently and just have yeah. one localized area for all of your implant inventory and all that kind of stuff. So that'll be, that'll be nice to have, but just work with what you got until then. That's yeah, awesome, nice. man. You're doing a lot of cool things. So this, how much uh, is there like, what's the patient uh, numbers like at the practice? Like how many active patients did they have? So it is kind of hard to read because they weren't really using EagleSoft uh, as, as well. I don't know if you're familiar with EagleSoft, that, that practice uh, uh, management software, but yeah, uh, it, it says we have like 2,500 active patients over the last, that have been there in the last three years. So that's kind of what I'm going off of. But, you know, is that really an active patient or is that somebody that came for a limited exam two and a half years ago, but hasn't really been in since, you know, yeah. so it's, I'm trying to get my office manager to kind of whittle through all those numbers and really see where we're at and uh, what are like how, how we can grow and maybe get some of those patients that haven't been in for, for that amount of time to get in and then, and, and, you know, get that comp oral that they never got or uh, yeah. come in and get that cleaning that they're, they're way overdue for. Or, and uh, so it's just finding what was kind of like left on the table yeah. previously trying to, trying to bring that back to the table and back into the fold. So okay, that's pretty cool. So what's uh what have you found? Like what's your uh, marketing strategy and stuff so far? Is this something that you've been doing more like, social media or you doing like traditional mailers? Like what are you sort of trying to focus on for the next little few months to kind of uh, get the ball rolling? I hired a marketing company that's going to kind of, they're going to take over, you know, your, your, uh, 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 the search engine optimization SEO. Yeah. And, you know, I've been kind of, you know, fooling around with, uh, I've made like a practice Instagram. I'm trying to like put up like cosmetic cases and stuff on that. Cause I feel like that's what your patients really want to see. They don't yeah. really want to see, uh, Extractions, <laughs> implants getting placed and all that. So I'm trying to make that one just like a little low key thing and just you know pretty pictures, teeth, and uh, you know I actually had my sister put up like I'm I'm not good at like the bubbly writing and putting all the emojis. <laughs> up, I have my sister put up like those now. Um, brush only the teeth you wanna you wanna keep kind of like yeah. I've heard of that. She did a lot of marketing, so uh, I, I used you know, uh, I'll have the the marketing company start doing that kind of stuff. And then I'll, I'll just give them materials to, to use for it. Uh, let's see, we're going to do a lot of direct mailers. I think we're going to do like 2,500, uh, mailers a month. 
and just have that targeted into the zip codes with, you know, there, there's a lot of new development in the area where my uh, practice is a lot of new movers. So we're trying to target the people that are just moving into the area. Yeah. So that, we can, uh, you know, cause people move, move in from a new area, they're going to need dentists. You know? Exactly. So they get that, that flyer, that picture of my face in the mail, you know, <laughs> like we'll come by. Right. Yeah. Uh, but we'll see. Uh, we'll see how it works. And so it's kind of hiring the company. We'll give them six months to, to see what they can do and see if there's a good return on the investment. And, uh, if there's not a you know, real good return on investment, then I'll going to have to look into something else and, and, and try again. but I guess that's kind of how it is with, with marketing or anything you're doing with the business. You got to, got to give it a go and see how it is. If it doesn't work out, move on to the next thing. Yeah, that's awesome. That's very admirable. I think it's you've you've from the start kind of sort of seen what your strengths are and what your weaknesses are and not been afraid to kind of delegate and then pass on those responsibilities to other people so you can focus on like your strengths. Because there's no sense of you kind of wasting time trying to figure out SEO and stuff where you could be you know, seeing patients and or doing CE courses and like learning more procedures and things like that. So I think that's a really like open-minded and like a really cool approach that you're kind of taking there, which is great. So the next thing I want to talk to you about uh, a little bit. I know you you mentioned photography, something that you're interested in, and we were chatting. I think it was last week a little bit, just about camera setups and sort of what you started off with and what you've sort of progressed to. Talk to me a little bit about photography, how you sort of incorporated into like you know being an associate early on and now a practice owner, and um, sort of what equipment and stuff tips you have for uh, for the new listeners and the new grads out there. So I um I got into photography. Probably, you know, I, I like taking a lot of pictures. I went to the Philippines when I was trying to get in dental school, and uh, one of the the girls there uh, on the trip had a really nice Canon. She took some beautiful pictures. I was like, I want to be able to take pictures like that. So when I was in residency, or I was using a Canon that they had at our program, and got very familiar with it. Uh, so once I started making a little bit of income, I ended up buying a 70D uh, refurbished off of Amazon and. You know, for dental photography, that's that's a great camera. Like I was, I was trying to say to you, it's you know, it really zooms in well, or basically has a multiplier on its uh, yeah. uh, sensor that you know turns uh, a hundred millimeter lens into a hundred and sixty millimeter lens. Uh, so basically, just higher zoom. I used that for a while, um, and then uh, I uh, eventually wanted to upgrade, uh, not due to really the dental photography aspect, but like I do a lot of landscape and uh, uh, night photography, and I like take pictures of the Milky Way and that kind of stuff. And so when I'm taking those kind of pictures, the Canon 70D wasn't really cutting it for like blowing those pictures up and printing them out and stuff. So I uh, I ended up getting the 5D Mark IV, and that that camera is better than I'll ever be. Uh, so it's just gonna be like my camera for the next 20 years. I kind of just bit the bullet and, and yeah. uh, did it. But when it came to don't I, I went and took the, when the pictures really matter course okay. that yeah. Adam Elvis and uh, Dr. Aguilar and, and those guys, if you follow, if you follow yeah. them, yeah. you know, they put that on and it is fantastic. Uh, just, you know, if, if you're uh, somebody with no photography experience to somebody who uh, was really into photography and you just want to know, see some tips and tricks and, and learning how to use the lighting to your to your uh, uh, pictures to, to really make them pop. Some uh, aspects of using Photoshop and Lightroom to, to, to make advertisements and, and that kind of stuff for, for practice. So yeah. stuff that I, I 
I, I knew how to use Lightroom a little bit, but it just kind of, you know, showed you just little tips and tricks to, 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 to really take it to, to the next level. And, uh, you know, it, it, lighting makes such a difference. And just those soft boxes, like you can take a picture of somebody with a little ring flash and then take a picture of them in those soft boxes. It looks like completely different teeth. Yeah. And, you know, it just make, I think it makes it look a lot better, but it kind of hides characteristics in the teeth as well. And that's kind of why if you're looking at the American Academy of Cosmetic Dentistry, if you're trying to submit cases to them, you're not allowed to use soft boxes. You have to okay. use them. Flash flash. Because yeah. there's less, there's less you can hide with just that direct light, but yeah. um, it's fun. So, but for, uh, if you're trying to do something for a patient or, or, you know, marketing, you want that, those soft boxes, those nice pretty pictures that you get yeah. out of them. Uh, and have you, have you incorporated that into your practice right now? Do you have like a separate room? We have the light boxes set up or just like for portraits and things like that, or do you just bring it into the room if you're going to be taking photos? How do you do that? So when I was working at the other, uh, my last practice, I just kind of brought them into the room and, and I actually stopped taking a lot of pictures towards the end because you know, I was uh, one of my assistants had taken another job. And so I was down to one assistant and a busy practice trying to take a lot of those pictures with, with one assistant and having like, if, especially if you're doing implant surgery, having like D glove and yeah. like your camera. And then it just, it just got to be a, too much of a hassle. So yeah. I just uh, stuck with uh, the, the cosmetic stuff until I could get a second assistant in. But now my, uh, practice I have now. I have one of those treatment rooms that uh, got uh, got it in the front, and I just have uh, a whole portrait studio. Okay, nice. Kind of yeah. with my soft boxes and like a black background, a white background, something that you can do uh, 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 nice portraits for patients for like before and afters, and and uh, I'm trying to incorporate that anytime I'm, I'm doing any, even if it's just like a single unit anterior case. I, I try and like bring them in and get like before and afters on that so I can show them. And uh, yeah. I actually really like it, especially, you know, when they're about to invest a lot of money in doing a cosmetic case and you can show them some before and afters that you did. And, uh, and they're like, Oh, I want to do that. And they're, and so they'll like, uh, get a little bit dolled up to come in get their portrait done and all that. Yeah. And so <laughs> uh, it's, it's kind of, it's fun. I just, it's just cool. another way to have fun with it. It just breaks you know? up the day a little bit. So in terms of like your sequence and your workflow that you've got down, obviously now that you're seeing a lot of new patients and you're trying to focus on the bigger, you know, bigger aesthetic cases or like full mouth type work instead of just like single tooth dentistry. Um, that's something that obviously I've only been on for a couple of years now. I'm starting to just, that's starting to click for me now a little bit in terms of diagnosing full mouth stuff. But in terms of the case presentation, documentation, uh, if you don't mind, like share with me, like how you kind of walk, like just walk me through like your new patient exams when you're trying to one treatment plan and then case pres present these larger cases to patients. So it, it, I basically will come in and I'll treat a new patient exam, just like kind of any uh, uh, regular exam, you know, first uh, I'll you know, examine the DMJ and do your head and neck exam and then uh, finally get down to the teeth. And so uh, instead of bringing my nice big camera in, I just have a little, uh, mouthwatch or intraoral camera that you know the little cheap little intraoral yeah. camera and take pictures of you know breaking down amalgams and all the things I think that they could uh, uh, could end up needing and I got I got a gauge 
you know, what's that patient interest? Is this a guy that, you know, you tell him he's got a cracked amalgam and he's going to not want to not want to do anything about it? Or is this a girl that's really concerned with uh, aesthetics and uh, wants to, to, to really redo her smile or something like that? So it's kind of like trying to read the patient and see, see what they want. Yeah. But, uh, you know, at the end of the day, I'll, I'll, I'll come up with a treatment plan for, all right, this is uh, all the teeth we can save how, uh, if they have a lot of work to do. All right, we can save all these teeth. These teeth we can't save. Teeth we can't save, we can, you know, we have a couple options to replace them. Typically, it's either going to be an implant or a removable, removable denture or, you know, some cases I'll still, I'll still recommend bridges. But, you know, that you just kind of, I, I like to present the patient with three different options. So basically, your, your high end, you know, this would be absolute ideal treatment plan. Uh, then you've got your low end, which would be your, all right, this is just getting rid of the disease that's in your mouth. And then not any teeth or anything and then I try and find kind of like a solid middle ground so mm-hmm. I'll say you know this is your your Cadillac this is your uh, Toyota and you know this is your Ford which one would uh, you know would you like yeah they like that aspect of it and you know give them the options and you know we can tailor and I say you know we can tailor it to whatever aspect you really want out of it but you know this would be three very good ways of, of getting it to, to good health. And if you want an even better function, we can, we can do that as well. Yeah, that's pretty cool. And then what stage then would you like bring them over for like the portraits and things like that? Is that after they've committed to a certain treatment plan or um, is that something that you routinely do just to kind of illustrate what can and can't be done? So I, I'll, I'll use um, examples of previous cases for, yeah. for like, uh, to see, gauge their interest. And if they're really interested in it, I'll say, okay, well, if, if you want to move forward, uh, we're going to have to take some impressions and some photos and send them off for a diagnostic wax up. Yeah. And so that's kind of the point where I got, you know, I'll, I'll charge them a fee for the diagnostic wax up and have a separate appointment for that. And yeah. I'll schedule in that appointment time for me to, to go and take the photos that I want to take and, yeah. uh, and, you know, do do you know all the evaluations and then actually take the uh, you know the it's not a very productive amount of time doing that you don't get paid much for it but yeah like it's a return on investment thing if you spend that time and sure. show patients really uh, interested in doing really good work and really well documenting the case and and uh, show them some before and afters that you have from other cases it really is a selling point to them like oh this guy really likes what he does you know yeah. he's really into this. I think it comes so. across for sure. It's probably something that most dentists probably aren't doing. So they wouldn't have experienced that. Maybe if they're like their childhood dentist growing up or something, you just go in and out and you're just doing your routine fillings and hygiene and patch up work uh, to have someone like yourself come in and have the, you know, the photography, the wax up and spend the time to explain all the options. Uh, I think it goes a long way in terms of them accepting it. And it's it ultimately it's obviously for their benefit because they're getting you know, ideal work and, and trying to get back to like optimal health and tooth replacement, which is cool. So um, I think it's, it's the good, it's the fun dentistry that you get to do, I think after a while. And once you have the skill set and the knowledge to kind of back it up, which, which you do from your residency and all the courses and stuff you've been doing, which is pretty cool. So I think it's, it's all awesome. And I, it's been uh, kind of refreshing to 
see your, uh, your attitude towards things and just jumping into practice ownership and things like that, which is really cool as well. So tell me, uh, sort of last thing before we uh, go to the rapid fire to wrap things up, tell me sort of like, what's your, uh, what's your vision for like five years from now? Like what your practice is going to be like in terms of, um, what staff you got going, do you have associates working with you? What's like your sort of like five year, like ideal scenario in your practice? So ideally I would like to, right now I'm kind of focusing on uh, for this year, for this six months, even I'm focusing on the marketing and, and getting new patient flow. Uh, and I would like to get the renovation started uh, yeah. and get those three other operatories fixed. And, and uh, within 18 months, I would like to be able to, to, to have grown enough that I can bring on uh, another associate. Now it's kind of, complicated in, in the state I'm in one dentist can only uh, supervise two hygienists okay so in order to bring a third hygienist in I ha- I'd have to hire like a retired doc to come in and, and you know read the newspaper or watch it <laughs> and a lot of dentists do that in the area oh, so it's really? awesome <laughs> kind of unfair to like say uh, they'd probably hire a new graduate or something uh, yeah. and it would be unfair for that person to, to come in and not have like a fully booked hygienist to like start you know, making production off of those patients and stuff. Yeah. So I'll probably have to have a retired dentist come in so I can get four fully um, booked hygienists. And then I would like to bring in the, bring in the associate so that they can come in and be busy off the bat. After that, it's just about kind of growing that, growing that associate and then making sure that, that, that we're doing, you know, great dentistry first off. And, uh, you know, it would just, uh, having uh, a nice workflow and get your systems in place. Staffing, I've already learned that I'm not going to try and foreshadow or, or uh, anything that's going to happen. <laughs> yeah, <my staff. laughs> that is under not under my control, and I'm not going to sit there and worry about it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so it's just going to whatever happens with that. I like to you know hire good people and keep them on for as long as they want to be there. But if that's not going to happen, you know, you just you just kind of work with it. Yeah, you got to do what you uh, do. I would eventually like to buy a, another practice. And uh, so, uh, I, like I said earlier, I have a fiance who is a dentist. And a lot of people are like, oh, is she going to come work for you, this and that? And, uh, and really, I was like, no, I'd rather have her have her own practice with an yeah. associate under her so that we can both go on vacation one day yeah. and not have to go either of our offices. Yeah. So that's kind of like five-year, you know. Uh, she just got done her residency at MUSC this past July, so she's kind of working through uh, that that first year out of out of residency. Kind nice. of kind of working through getting used to private practice dentistry, and yeah. Uh, and so hopefully by that point she'll be she'll be ready to go on that and, and have her own thing as well. But yeah, that's we'll a good plan. I think uh, it makes more sense that way. So you actually take off time together, like you said. So with these uh, retired dentists, do they, do they have to see the patients in hygiene or you can still see them as long as they're just in the building pretty much? Yeah, they just have to be in the building. It is, it is the <laughs> that's a, rule. a silly rule. <laughs> like you like, just have to be there. I have no idea why. Yeah. I mean, I've, I've, I've had some in uh, the last office I was at. If the, the other guy was on vacation, we'd have a high, uh, one of the retired dentists in, and they'd honestly be taking naps like, yeah. <laughs> in the back. Just just by, like, uh, buying a lazy boy for them. And then I uh, was <laughs> uh, just like, all right, this is, a, this is a dumb rule North Carolina needs to get rid of. But yeah. uh, it's the rules, and you got to follow them. Uh, yeah. So that's, that's what it is. Yeah. But 
That's awesome, man. (laughs) So what I like to do uh, to wrap these things up is just do a bit of a rapid fire and uh, we'll wrap up from there. So uh, what's your uh, favorite pizza topping? Uh, Everything. Um, (laughs) Probably if I were to just choose one, uh, it would probably be uh, bacon. Bacon? Yeah. I'd go with bacon. Yeah. And what's your... uh, What's your favorite band or artist? Ooh, right now I'm on a queen kick. Um, Also, uh, if we're going to go with modern, I'd probably have to go Post Malone. Post Malone? Post Malone. Malone. (laughs) He's good, man. Yeah. Yeah, I like him. (laughs) Uh, what's, what's uh, What's your favorite tooth to work on? Favorite tooth to work on, 19. What's that for our non-American? Uh, oh, is that non-American. Upper? Sorry, that, that uh, was that three six. Three six, yeah. Okay. Uh, <laughs> hey, Americans always got to be different. So. Yeah, man. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I always forget you know, the rest, yeah, the rest that, of the, that weird numbering system. I was poking fun at someone a while back. I was like, "Do you guys uh, measure your endo files in like in inches or <laughs> millimeters?" <laughs> Yeah. Oh, good. Yeah. Um, what's uh, what's one procedure that makes you question your career choice in dentistry? I love implants, but when they fail, that is that's uh, uh, just a horrible, horrible feeling. Even though you you can you can see, you know you did everything right, yeah. sometimes don't work, and it, it's incredibly frustrating. Um, and so I. I it's definitely a love hate relationship with, with them. Yeah. And also one of the reasons why I, I constantly want to get more education and more experience and, and, and learn as much as I can about it. Uh, yeah. so that, 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 I don't know if that answers the question. Well, <laughs> I think yeah, most people say endo and it's the same thing. They're like, it's a, they enjoy it for the most part until it kind of goes wrong or you get stuck in a case and then you start hating it pretty quickly. Yeah. yeah when you perf a couple of teeth, you, you start hating. <laughs> Uh, yeah. you know, sometimes even endodontists perforate teeth and yeah. uh, it is what it is and you move on. Yeah. And um, if you weren't doing dentistry, what uh, career would you be in? My original backup plan uh, to, to if I didn't get into dental school after that third time, I was actually looking into studying astrobiology and looking for life on other planets <laughs> was, was, uh, was <laughs> a good backup. They all uh, back up, but yeah. now realistically, I'd probably say probably something like uh, <laughs> nature photography, something like that. Yeah, awesome, man. Thanks, uh, thanks for uh, for coming on. I know you got you know busy schedule being a practice owner and a small business owner now, so I appreciate you taking the time to come on. Uh, maybe we'll we'll touch base and we'll do one in a year's time or something and see how you're going with those uh, plans for the practice and how things are kind of coming along for you. And by the way, I wish you well. I think you're doing everything the you know the proper way. Like I said, it's it's really cool that uh, you know you, you've been delegating a lot of these things out that you that either you're not interested in or it's not in your like wheelhouse of, uh, of skill set. So um, I think that's the positive mindset for kind of growth and things. So I think you'll you'll do really well in your practice, and I uh, wish you luck. Yeah, I appreciate that. Thank you for having me on. I mean, I've, I've listened to a lot of the podcasts you've had, and you've had some really good guests on here. And uh, I think probably my f- favorite one so far is uh, David Davy Alman. Yeah. That bio, I don't think. Like, I, I listened to him, and then I had uh, Matt, uh, Dr. Najad, uh, yeah. do a course for, uh, uh, and I was just like, wow, that's kind of changing my whole the perception. The bonding stuff's crazy, uh, man. Yeah. And, like the the materials I'm using and 
Uh, you know, I'm sure there's there's a ton of other people that listen to your podcast and that they're really getting a lot of good stuff out of it. And, and you know, keep up the good work with it. Thanks, man. I appreciate it. All right. Enjoy yeah. the uh, rest of your evening and we'll, uh, we'll catch up soon. Take care.